This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Late Boomers, our podcast guide to creating your third act with style, power, and impact. Hi, I'm Kathy Worthington. And I'm Mary Elkins. Join us as we bring you conversations with successful entrepreneurs, entertainers, and people with vision who are making a difference in the world. Everyone has a story, and we'll take you along for the ride on each interview, recounting the journey our guests have taken to get where they are, inspiring you to create your own path to success. Let's get started. Hello, I'm Kathy Worthington. Welcome to Late Boomers. Today, our special guest is Asher Lobb, who is an improvisational, cutting-edge electric violinist with a fan base that numbers more than 100,000 across social media. He dances while he performs, and he's also a composer and producer and life performer. And I'm Mary Elkins. Asher has garnered acclaim across four continents and has performed at Madison Square Garden, Carnegie Hall, and Lincoln Center, just to name a few. His concerts have been featured live on PBS, and he's made headlines in places such as CNN, NBC, and WABC. But this isn't his whole story, and we're looking forward to hearing more about his journey. Welcome, Asher. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure Great to be here. To have you. Great to have you. And can you tell us, Asher, what is a life performer? And tell us about your background and how it led to the career and the life path you're on today. Uh, well, so live performance is essentially my income. It's like 90% of what I do um, professionally as a musician. Uh, so you know, I'll, be, I'll get phone calls to do private events, concerts, uh, corporate events, fundraisers, all sorts of different things that specifically feature the violin. That's kind of like the mainstay. Uh, or sometimes subcontracting out other musicians' strings and playing along with the band, sometimes in the DJ context, a lot of different uh, types of events. Probably, I'm doing about 200, about 200 of these per year. Um, I try That's to stay lot. kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah I try to stay, I, I love it. I, I've been doing this for professionally about 18, 19 years and uh, full-time about seven years. Oh, so, hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So live performances, I'm sure most people understand, is, you know, getting, getting up there in person in front of the audience on stage, whatever. Um, and then there's the other live performance, which, which is on Facebook, Instagram, you go live. Uh, that's uh-huh. remote. So that uh, I enjoy yeah. too. But yeah. that isn't as much my income as, as uh, being in, there in person. But what uh-huh. was your background like? How did you start with violin and stuff? Yeah. So I started at the age of uh, two uh, on a oh. margarine box with rubber bands serving as strings. And uh-huh. my mother, uh, she, brought, she, she put me in professional mode <laughs> pretty young um, and says that I kind of looked up to my older brother and I wanted to do this. Uh, I wanted to play the violin because he was playing concertos. He was six years older than me and I was just in love with, with what he was playing. I don't remember that conversation at the age of two, but uh, by the by wow. the age of three, I you know there are like photos of me with these tiny wooden violin, um, and I played Suzuki method and so on and so forth. Um, that kind of 
that was something that I continued on a weekly basis with professional lessons until I was in high school and I was in, uh, you know, Greater Buffalo Youth Orchestra, uh, Greater Buffalo Youth String Orchestra, uh, NISMA competitions. I was just playing pretty much uh, since I was in diapers on stage. So uh, transitioning to a professional career was pretty much uh, a, 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 a very natural process. Um, and that, that actually didn't happen until I, I made it to New York and I started to attend university and that's where a lot of the work came in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That, that's, you were in the that, right place. That was a mouthful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, pretty amazing yeah. that you started with rubber bands as strings. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't my idea. Oh, <laughs> it's pretty creative. So yeah. What are some of the greatest business and health challenges you've encountered in your music career? Uh, well, uh, too many to name, but <laughs> I can start with a few. Uh, the business challenges, I'm going to start with that, uh, didn't start until I decided to go off on my own and become an independent musician, artist, uh, really looking to connect with fans in a more deeply meaningful way. Uh, and that happened around seven years ago when I began full-time uh, live performances. Prior to that, like about 2002 to 2010-ish, I was just booked by agents, uh, booking agents who were kind of incorporating me into their, into their projects and uh, studio sessions and uh, club dates, so on and so forth. So I was just, you know, they gave me a ring, show up to this place, here's the pay. And that was pretty much how it worked. And it got old after you know, maybe 10 years. And um, speaking more to specifically to your question about the challenges, seven years ago, when I, seven years prior to this, when I moved into the full-time professional independent artist mode, um, all hell broke loose. And it was really stressful uh, because I was married and I had to pay the bills. So I had to figure out how to data crunch and to work, work on my Excel charts and figuring out I had to figure out where my expenditures were and where I should invest my money and how to, it's a business essentially. So I had to figure out mm-hmm. where to put my money and, and what my ROI was um, as, as a result of investing money into like certain projects and uh, musical compositions. So that was like the first real, real leap in terms of uh, entering the business world and realizing how challenging it is to be an independent artist and to pretty much represent yourself. And I mean, I can go on and on uh, <laughs> yeah. about it. But we understand you've had some health issues during the uh, journey that, as yeah. well. So that that was probably uh, much more of a significant challenge than the than the uh, the business challenges. Uh, I I was diagnosed with adrenal insufficiency, and prior to that, um, in a chronic inflammatory disorder, up to about mm-hmm. two three years prior to that. Adrenal insufficiency landed me in a wheelchair for about six, seven months or so. Ooh, I don't remember wow. the exact timeline. It's probably, yeah, I'm always referencing it, but approximately that and uh, lost my career pretty much uh, and a whole lot of money and um, almost lost my family. And it was it was a pretty horrendous period in my life. My son was, I think, uh, three at that time. So wow. uh, mm-hmm. it feels like a, a pretty much a lifetime ago, eight years ago, something like that. Yeah. And when I regained my strength, uh, which is a whole other topic and conversations as to how, how that happened, uh, I was on a permanent dosage of Cortef, 
And I got off of that and uh, hit the ground running as soon as I, I regained the strength. And I decided that music was where my passion really lied. And I put my two other very expensive careers from NYU to the side. And I, I pursued, pursued music full time. Well, uh, bless you. Because yeah. it's really tough. And talk yeah, about that. How, how did you reinvent yourself? And what advice would you like to give to others who need to reinvent themselves? Well, part of the just reinventing myself um, aspect was really just going from working for other people to sort of sort of plotting my own path um, forward and representing myself and creating music uh, really for myself and, and for the fans. Uh, Neon Dreams is really the song that launched my independent career. And that, that actually did the best. Um, that's sort of the beginning of, of what changed. And then I, I got a little, a little crazy and, uh, shifted into this choreography mode, uh, with every single release. So through, through videos mm. and live performances and, uh, you're, you're break but, dancing and you're dancing. Talk about that too. Yeah. So that wasn't, that wasn't actually new, but the incorporation of violin and the dancing, was new. I mean, like the marrying of the two. I I had always been uh, a break dancer and a gymnast uh, since I was in middle school, and actually, my grandparents were really very much opposed to it because uh, they were concerned that I was going to end up hurting myself. Um, ironically, actually helped me uh, with a lot of my like my back pain, but I I just I, I just felt the need to really express myself. Um, in more ways than just through the violin. I just felt like I, I felt so, I guess just elated, just um, relieved to have the strength, have regained the strength again to play the instrument and to uh, pursue music again as a career. So I just, I guess this was just sort of my expression, my physical ex expression of this excitement and this sense of renewal. Um, so that's that's where the, the choreography came in, and I think that's where it was born. And we can uh, also I, tell people to check out your Instagram because there are all kinds of things on there with you performing in different settings and stuff. It's really fun, your yeah. Instagram. Yeah, it's really fun. Uh, yeah, I try to have yeah. a lot of fun. You know, I just I, I try to bring as much music to the listeners as possible because that's really what they want to hear mm -hmm. and see. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, on social. Well, yeah. Any advice to um, others who want to reinvent themselves? Well, it is important to follow your passion. Uh, otherwise you end up taking this circuitous route like I did for a pretty long time. And it's an expensive venture. If you, if you really can't, if you really don't know what truly makes you happy, um, then, then it takes a lot longer to kind of find your path and find your way. So to an extent, Within moderation, I think it's important in retrospect um, to again find what you're passionate about and that you're and find something that you're really good at um, that you maybe have a niche and that you, you maybe you can express yourself and uh, in a way that's meaningful to others or or maybe you have a skill that you're really good at that maybe isn't so mainstream but you think you can monetize to an extent. Um, I, I would take that approach in retrospect. So maybe mm -hmm. that's helpful to your listeners. Oh, as opposed great. to just sort yeah. of doing what's quote unquote stable, right. uh, what everybody else is doing. And that's what I did for a while. 
Uh, and the day job just wasn't worth the effort mm. in the end because what I'm doing now is essentially earning me as much as I would in, in a stable job. Um, uh-huh. And I'm a lot more, a lot happier. And I jump out of bed just thinking, just trying to get everything done because I'm just so excited to get the, every project finished. And actually oh, doing interviews like this is also something that I really enjoy. Oh, great. That's, that's great. Yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. Well, you've said some of your greatest failures were ultimately your greatest blessings. What do you mean by this? Uh, exactly that. Um, and although I wouldn't wish my greatest fail- failures on anybody, and I really wouldn't want to go through it myself again, because it was mm. literally living hell, all these challenges. But mm. now that it's kind of in the past, uh, I, I think I'm stronger because of it. And I'm, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to sort of renew myself and to, to re-engage with, in this case, the, the music industry in a, in, in, with more wisdom. Well, do you, uh, do you want to tell our audience uh, anything about that? Oh. Um, <laughs> or not. Oh, it's, <laughs> oh it's, as far as, uh, I guess, the approach, the, the approach that I take to, to my music career um, after the fact as opposed to prior to, to my state of adrenal insufficiency. Is that what you're referring uh, to? No. no I, I, actually, I, actually, go ahead, Kathy. Yeah, like give us an example of a failure yeah. that really showed up as a blessing in your life. Yes. Maybe you can think of anything. Um, well, I, I guess, I, you know, you could say landing myself in a wheelchair is a failure, although it's kind of hard oh, to blame myself. Not really. In that situation. <laughs> That's why I guess that I was just thinking of that. Um, uh-huh. I mean, I've failed over and over again. I mean, even in terms of uh, just business decisions. Um, but to my credit, I got up and I, I learned from those mistakes. And to be specific, um, a few years years ago, I think it was prior to COVID and then during COVID, I, I just I just spent my money on the wrong things. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't know how much of this you want it to be uh, like a business lesson for for aspiring <laughs> musicians, but I can uh, you know we can go down down that rabbit hole. Mm. I I I I kept going. I kept spending and spending. And one specific year uh, where yeah, that comes to mind, I, I just I kept spending money to, I, I guess, increase my clientele, and it was it was producing negative return, and it just con- continued to produce negative return. But I did see results, so I kept spending in the yeah. hopes that I would sort of get over this this heap. This um, what's the word? Uh, this op, I would get around the obstacle by overspending my myself through mm-hmm. the problem. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I'm being yeah. clear. Yeah. Uh, so, like one example was uh, I was running ads on on, a, on certain campaigns, and it, it was failing, or at least I, it wasn't thriving, and it was producing a negative return. But because it was producing a return, I kept spending, 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 and I was losing my mind. It was really <laughs> stressful and. I spent myself into oblivion <laughs> and uh, created a lot, a lot of issues. Um, and well, I then, had to dig myself out of that hole. That's well, a that's, good business lesson, though, for all of us. Yeah. But what, what would you say are you most proud of in your musical accomplishments? Well, in terms, in terms of just speaking to that issue, uh, I'm proud of the fact that I picked myself up instead of 
shifting back to like a, that those stable careers, um, which I I think most people would have done. I I picked myself up and I I analyzed what I did wrong, and then I kind of flipped the script and I I was able to with data crunching uh, re I guess reallocate funds to the correct campaigns, and I was able to sort of save my career. But you played Carnegie Hall. You played, you know, talk about some of your musical stuff. Tell us what what's the big highlight of your uh, musical stuff. Well, um, I mean, Madison Square Garden was uh, pretty Mm. memorable. That I still have people like you know occasionally see me at an event and say, "Oh, like you did, you know, you did that event many years ago," and um, you were like on stage along with Montesiao and other big names. Uh, Yeah, that's that's a that's a memory I'm never going to forget. But and Carnegie Hall, all these like iconic halls, uh, playing at uh, Lincoln Center Master Theater was probably one of the coolest performances because people were so into the the release of Neon Dreams and they were just like clapping and dancing and uh, you can see a snippet of that on my um, on my stories uh, page on on Instagram. Um, so those are absolutely memorable. PBS uh, playing at PBS uh, mm-hmm. twice that that was definitely memorable. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. And some of the people on. you played with are, are very, very exciting. I know you mentioned a couple, but uh, um, I was uh, watching on your Instagram that moment when you sent when you played to Crazy, uh, which was terrific with Narls. Was that with Mar- Narls Barkley? Barkley? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember which one of those <laughs> posts I, I post literally every day. <laughs> but, You've done uh, a lot. <laughs> yeah, I've done a lot. And it, it's been it's been a real uh, it's been a nice ride thus far. Um, I, I have to say, my favorite performances weren't necessarily with or or for celebrities. My favorite performances were performing my music um, for fans that really love mm-hmm. the music. That's far and away more more of of a big deal to me personally than mm-hmm. you know if I were to play at the White House, I would choose I would choose the former over the latter personally uh-huh. this has an interesting well yeah. we we've seen like we said uh, some of your work on instagram um and they're they really are terrific but who do you look up to professionally and what types of composers inspire your own compositions on the note of your own music <clears throat> well kevin alusula from the pentatonics was actually the first time I've, I've referred to him kevin if you're out there shout out to you <laughs> um, he's an inspiration because he's a cellist and, and he's blended. He's a very, very talented classical cellist who moved into crossover cello playing. So I'm a crossover violinist, he's a crossover cellist. So I, I really admire how he's innovated, um, that instrument. Um, and he's made it pretty mainstream. Uh, two cellos, Lindsey Sterling, David Garrett. I mean, there's just a couple names to name a few. Um, I, I'm just in love with, with what they all do. And I love how they've mainstreamed the instruments, uh, and how Uh they're not, they haven't limited themselves career wise to just playing with, with orchestras. They've kind of made themselves attractive to people that would be more typically interested into, into alternative or EDM or, or rock They're you know, they're listening to classical instruments playing just because of the Mm -hmm. way that they've. Uh, adapting mm-hmm. their style so that's what i do um yeah and i, I was going to ask you about 
influencing conventional thinking about musical performance. So what you just said touches on that, huh? Yeah. And, and I try to, I try to present my own music in a, in a different way, although I have these obvious influences, but my music is uniquely my own. And um, mm -hmm. I think the best way to describe it is EDM classical because it's, it's instru instrumental. It has some electronic elements, but then it has full symph full symphonic um, elements also. You know, Redemption mm -hmm. has like a 40-piece orchestra behind it. And wow. um, Miserloo, which I'm really excited and proud about. I don't know if you want me to talk about that. Um, yeah. It also yeah. has electronic elements. Yeah. And also mm -hmm. a full symphony as well. Oh, wow. That's, that's I think very impressive. we're all going to get into this. Yeah. We are. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, on that note, would you tell us about how, say, Redemption came into being and some of your other singles? And um, after we talk about it, would you play something for us? Sure. So Redemption, I'm still wrapping my head around how the whole piece came to came in because it's brand new. It's a uh, it's a week old in terms of I, st I, I started producing it a week and a half ago. I just pumped it out real quickly. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do this on a monthly basis. I'm, I'm producing a lot. Um, it's kind of necessary in the position that I'm in. And a 42 um, piece orchestra behind it in, in a week. Well, well it, it's, it's not, it's not as these are, these are, um, these are tracks. So I, I did not hire a full symphony. Um, that would probably cost me many, many thousands of dollars. I can do that on occasion. I can't do that on a monthly basis. Mm -hmm. uh, at the moment, but, but I have, uh, I have software where I, you know, I have my keyboard and uh, midis and different types of tracks. So I have, um, and I, I have this lovely instrument that I record and I'll layer, uh, oh, oh that's so cute. It's, it's, <laughs> cool. sorry about that. I'm jealous. Sorry about that. He's very unpredictable. No, not at all. <laughs> Kathy's um, cat. <laughs> Kathy's cat and Asher's violin. <laughs> For those of yeah. you, yeah. Our you and our audience yeah. who uh, are only listening, but uh, that's. <laughs> yeah, that's what's cute is the cat yeah. and yeah. the violin. It's very and cute. The, the violin's <laughs> a different looking violin. It's gorgeous. That's yeah, gorgeous. That is absolutely beautiful. Thank you. Um, the acoustics over there, uh, but you know, this is also on a podcast, so I guess people can't see it. You check out the YouTube video. No. But um, I will layer in the studio, in this studio behind you, behind, yeah, behind you, um, like 30 different strings. So, and then I'll do cello and, and viola. So those, in, in terms of that, those are real instruments. Yeah. I, I, uh, the wind instruments are pre-recorded real instruments that i'm i'm able to with my software i'm able to lay down all the notes and that's how i create oh. the symphony so oh. um that's what i'm doing i yeah. lost well, track of your question well we're <laughs> gonna drop in the music at this point
And coming out of that, what are your career plans now? And what do you see for your future? Sure. Um, so I plan on on sticking with what I've been doing, you know, up until now. Uh, full-time music, career, um, live performances. But I plan on scaling back the live performances a bit and replacing them more with sync licensing uh, film-type music, since that's what I do on a regular basis anyway, um, through collaborations mm. and just just monthly releases. I'm, I'm looking to, to have them submitted to films, and um, I'm hoping... I can sort of augment that part of my income and because I, I just love being in the studio and uh, I'm just, I, I, you know, when my kids are a little bit older, uh, plan on doing a little more touring mm. and mm-hmm. uh, those are my live. goals in the next. Good. Hmm? Performing yeah. live on tour. Yeah. That's- live on tour. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's, so. That's exciting. Fabulous. Yeah. That's the plan. Um, well, uh, we spoke a little bit about this earlier, um, but what would you say to as other aspiring entrepreneurs like yourself and musicians? Well, I have a lot to say, uh, but <laughs> to sort of keep it simple, just just from what I've spoken spoken about in the last 20, 30 minutes or so, um, I, I think, you know, life's really short and I learned that the hard way and it's ultimately the most important thing is to, you know, make it a good, good ride an enjoyable ride, something that you're, you're proud of. So uh, I, I would recommend to people that if you know, aspiring musicians or people who are just getting out of college to really find what they're very good at and what they're passionate about, not just think about the money or even uh, what everybody else is doing. Uh, look at, look at what, what you're truly, truly excited about something that's going to get you up in the morning and, um, cause whatever you're going to, whatever you decide to do, you're gonna have to work hard at. That's pretty much the name of the game in mm-hmm. this country. And, um, that's, that's what I want to leave people with. Just find your, mm-hmm. find your passion and, and stick to it and, and don't give up, especially if you, you think that to a certain extent it's monetizable. Wow. Thank Fabulous. you. Thank you. That's a great yeah. takeaway for them. It's a great takeaway. Thank you so much, Asher. Our guest today on mm-hmm. Late Boomers has been Asher Log improvisational cutting edge electronic or electric excuse me violinist who's known for breakdancing across the stage as he performs he's also a composer producer and live performer um he uh, you can reach him at on his website at asherlaub.com that's a-s-h-e-r-l-a-u-b.com and also via social media um asher can you tell people how to reach you on social media Sure. Uh, well, AsherLob.com is the easiest way to find the social media links, but Instagram. Oh, so AsherLob is my handle, uh, A-S-H-E-R-L-A-U-B. And AsherLob Music on Facebook. So AsherLob on Instagram and TikTok and Twitter, but AsherLob Music on Facebook. Great. And Great. everywhere else. I mean, Spotify. Uh, if you want to find my, if you want to hear my original music, it's on all major platforms. So Spotify, iTunes, Deezer, so on and so forth. And oh, my music right. videos. when you finish listening to late boomers on Spotify, you can switch over to Asher Lob and listen perfect. to the music we're talking about. Right. And then go back That's to late perfect. boomers. Yeah. yeah. And go back to another episode <laughs> and back and forth all day. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Thanks to our listeners for subscribing to our late boomers podcast, YouTube channel. 
and for giving us those five-star reviews on your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you so much, and we look forward to hearing from you on our Instagram or on our website, baitboomers.biz. We we hope you always get inspired when you listen. And thanks again, Asher. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to ewnpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact.